Jesus, Mary and Joseph. Captain Newgarden takes the win at a four-day Alabama weekend. Welcome back to Motorsport 101. Raindrops are falling on my head And just like the guy whose feet are too big for his bed Nothing seems to fit Those raindrops are falling on my head They keep falling So I just did need some talking Ah, the rain in Spain stays mostly in Alabama. Welcome to episode 135 of Motorsport 101. And a little behind-the-scenes note for you on this one, guys. This is our second attempt to record this. This is Wednesday, April 25th as we're doing this. We tried this last night. And everything was going great. We were really enjoying ourselves. It was a fun recording. We were about 45 minutes in. And then Drink my house takes the a face of the earth. Yeah, my house suffers a power cut. Now, amazingly, this is the second time this has happened to me since I've done this podcast. Like it happened, I think, late last year around the episode 90 mark, if I remember correctly. So much so that they named an episode after it called Lights Out, which I thought was funny. Um, that was Lewis's idea, and he's a bastard. <laughs> Thanks, Lewis. Um, <laughs> um, but uh, yes, uh, this is our second attempt to record this, and hopefully my electrics will survive the recording. Maybe. <laughs> I think it's very mean- fitting, considering the subject matter of the race we're about to talk to us about, because it's it, it took us two attempts, but we're finally going to get there. <laughs> we're finally going to get there. Yeah, we ended the first recording early due to uh, recording conditions. Um, so we thought we'd give it a second go the next day. Who knew? Uh, more on that later. But in the meantime, let me introduce the rest of my panel. It's an old school three man booth this time of week. Um, Milking him back, Mr. Ryan King. Hello, sir. Hey. Um, I'm ready to go. Give it, a, give it another go, you know. Uh, give it the good old college try. <laughs> college try. Roll Tide. Or War, War Eagle. You know, go Blazers. Got, go Blazers. <laughs> Gotta stay as neutral as possible. Wait. You guys just gonna pick out every school from the state of Texas now? Is that it? Like, <laughs> well, well, Alabama. Be careful. Watch your tongue. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just going to have, like, Pat and Lizzie just, like, stab me from my bedroom ceiling tonight. And I'm talking, like, speaking ill of the great state of Texas. Uh, in the meantime, as well, in the other corner of the room, Mr. R.J. O'Connell. Hello, sir. Hello, yes. I am significantly drier than I was on Sunday afternoon when I actually went to the vet. More on that later. Yes. Hello. Back. Everything's good. My favorite driver won my, what I would consider my hometown race. Our hometown race, it's a good time. It's a good time to be myself in some regards. Yay! Um, that's, that's always a good time, indeed. One of our favorite rounds on the calendar, Alabama, and we'll get into all of that in just a minute. So, um, places you can find us real quick, we'll get the general housekeeping out of the way. We're on youtube.com forward slash motorsport101. Um, we're on facebook.com forward slash motorsport101. You can check me out on there for shitposting galore. Um, we're on Twitter at uh, motorsport underscore 101. And if you'd like to follow our personal handles, you can follow us at Harrison101HD, um, at uh, Ryan Eric King, and at RJ O'Connell. 
And if you really, really like us, you can back us on Patreon. Patreon.com forward slash Motorsport101. $5 gets you early access to both this show and to Bike Live, which is back later this week. Most likely this weekend. I'm talking all about MotoGP's Grand Prix of the Americas as Mark Marquez made it six on the bounce in Kota, and I think 10 in a row now in the United States of America. Um, he's very, very good around Kota, in case he didn't catch on already. Um, despite, and that's, this is despite starting from the second row of the grid for a blocking penalty. Oh, always a fun time with Mark Marquez these days. Absolutely. Never gets always fun with America's greatest motorcycle rider. That's right, Spain. He's ours now. You have enough. You have enough already. You've got Jorge Lorenzo and Matt Vignales. You're fine. You can live without him. Let us have this one thing. Maverick complete with porno stash for the weekend. I actually <laughs> did get to see the porno stash this time. Uh, I hadn't seen it, but when the first time we recorded it, I looked at it and like, oof. Oh, buddy, Maverick, that's not a good look. Maverick Ron Jeremy Vinales here, clearly. Um, that was a fun time indeed. All the action from that weekend, including Cal Crutchlow's sudden rise and like, quite quick fall afterwards. We'll talk about Pecco Bagnaia winning the Moto2 race, basically destroying Alex Marquez's rear tyre in a dogfight. That's always fun. And Jorge Martin pulled off the near-unthinkable and broke the toe in the Moto3 race to win on that one, who might be Motorsport's fastest Jorge at the moment. No pun intended. Um, so all of that, and talking about the double from the Grand Prix of Assen in World Superbikes as well. Jonathan Ray and Tom Slacks, the Kawasaki split in wins. See, you give Kawasaki 250 revs back and look what happens. <laughs> like, all, it all goes to shit for Ducati. Um, Tom Slacks gets his first win since Silverstone. Jonathan Ray gets his 12th victory in Assen in his career, um, matching the great Carl Fogarty. Um, he's a big good at this whole motorcycle racing thing. I think it's his 57th career World Superbike win now, which is just ridiculous. Um, so all of that. Michael Vandermark's double podium as well. And without question, like one of the rides of the year from Randy Krimenacker in the Supersport class, one you definitely have to go out of your way to see. And... The most bonkers finish to a race I have ever seen. The Supersport 300 race. If you have not found the viral clip from Eurosport of the last half a lap of that race, go out of your way to find it. And like I said, play a little game here. Take a screenshot of the start of the video, right? And try and guess which rider in the leading pack wins that race. You will be wrong. I guarantee you that. Go out of your way to find it. So like I said, $5 gets you access to both this show and Bike Live. Bike Live will be back later this week. And $10 gets you gets you into our Discord server where you can listen to the show as it goes out. Trust me, some of our best stuff gets left on the cutting room floor. It's well worth it. Um, <laughs> so, without further ado, should we get into the Grand Prix of Alabama? Roll Tide! War Eagle. Eagles! Go Dogs! Go Tigers! <laughs> Ticking every Alabama box on the list here. SEC right, bandwagon oh. out of desperation. SEC. SEC. After this brief musical interlude and Alabama fanboyism from my American colleagues, we'll get into the Honda Indy Grand Prix of Alabama. 84 national championships.
Okie dokie, everybody. Welcome back to round four of the IndyCar Championship for 2018 and the Honda Indy Grand Prix of Alabama. Um, yes. Channing Tatum's first post-split public appearance. <laughs> Have you been reading those glossy magazines again, RJ? Yeah, they they said it was going to be a wet race, and that was that was even before Channing Tatum arrived at the uh, racetrack. Ooh, saucy. Ah, <laughs> oh, yes, uh, Barber Motorsports Park. It's a it's a beautiful part of the world. It's a it's a fantastic facility for a racetrack. But probably my favorite IndyCar track on the calendar, not named Road America. Full of sweeping undulations, high speed, low speed corners. It's, it's got everything. It's a very technical circuit. Um, and it, it showed with these new universal aero kits on the cars, especially in practice and qualifying, RJ. Yeah, um, a lot of people were having trouble. We knew the universal aero kits were going to have less downforce than the ones you've been used to seeing around here, which still produced some very good racing, mind you. But um, in practice and qualifying, we had a number of drivers go off track. Um, got from top-tier guys like Simon Pagano, Joseph Newgarden, out, Serena Rossi, to guys further down the scale like Renee Bender who crashed in the uh, tire barriers in practice or Tony Kanaan who actually spun out and wrecked in, in his first round qualifying attempt as my phone goes off god damn it <laughs> we're a real professional on this show but um yeah like you're absolutely right it, it was it like especially turn five that was the one that wreaked havoc with people um coming down the hill towards the tight hairpin it just uh <laughs> it just uh, didn't quite happen for a lot of those guys out there. But we got to qualifying in the end, and uh, despite the drama of a, of a big wreck from Tony Kanaan at that same turn five, it was Joseph Newgarden with his just third career pole position. Like, like, like honestly, it feels like Newgarden has more than that, but it's only his third career pole position. Um, go on, I had a very <laughs> close one, well, considering he only took it by about by one one hundredth of a second over Will Power. The two rivals from this race one year ago, front row of the grid. Indeed, I mean, you know, we all know Will Power is pretty much the qualifying king these days. So, uh, yeah, um, for Newgarden to come out on top in Barber, a track he's always really liked. Um, very, very big and very important for the race itself. Um, now, let's get into Sunday. Now, the original race was meant to get away, and with about an hour and a half or so before the race was due to start, the heavens opened. Um, quite hard, to the point where IndyCar had to declare it a wet start. Now, for those guys that don't know, a wet start in IndyCar means everybody has to start on the wet compound tyre, or as the Firestone wet, as they like to call it in America. Um, they say that everybody has to start on, on, on the wet tyre. They pushed the start time an hour forward as well. Cheers, Zoe. Um, they had to pull the, the start time an hour forward to try and dodge the rain, um, which meant it clashed with MotoGP, which was a pain in the butthole. Uh, thanks a bunch, IndyCar. Um, <laughs> but um, as a result, um, indeed, uh, we had to start in the wet. Um, that obviously also throws out the mandatory rules about tyre compounds for the dry in case it does dry up later on. Um, so it's really, really wet, you guys. And um, it's never a good sign in the wet when Will Power effectively loses it on a straight line. Um, um, uh, to be fair, I missed this as I was happening. I was looking down at my phone. 
uh, which was protected well underneath my plastic emergency poncho because that was the only way I could prevent it from getting waterlogged. I look up and I see, oh, there's willpower stopped at the end of pit road for no discernible reason, and the yellow flag is out. Oh, that's not good. And as it turns out, he had just aquaplaned and spun off right into the uh, the inside concrete barrier in front of him. Almost wiped out Ryan Hedderay. In fact, Joseph Newgarden almost did the same three wing at the head of the uh, at the head of the line. Yeah, it was it was pretty crazy. It almost caused the part. I obviously brought out a yellow. Um, fast forward just a little bit here for a second. We, the, like people at Autosport report, like had photographers down there and they showed a, fo- a photo of the uh, visibility down there. It was just a carpet of spray. You couldn't yeah. see a goddamn thing out there. Yeah, like um, watching on television at home when Will Power loses it and spins during the start for most of the spin he's completely out of sight you can't see him because there's that much spray you can't see him until he's out of the line of cars into the pit wall they spent a good hour trying to dry at least the back stretch of the track and the and the honda accord pace car was still pushing out so much standing water it, it was bad it was bad so of course paul tracy tries to imply that this was raceable Another news I want to fight Paul Tracy. <laughs> Don't worry, so many other people did wanted to do that in the mid two thousands. It's fine. That's fine. <laughs> uh, as you do, as you do. You know, big balls, wet driving, narratives, you know, rider bravery, all that good stuff. Um, the race is effectively neutralized. Um, like that that yellow flared up. They they were running around trying to see what would happen if the track would dry up or not it didn't really they tried to restart that didn't work the visibility was bad i remember graham rahal um specifically said during that restart he could he said and like quote, he could not see five feet in front of him alexander um, rossi also complained about the conditions marco andretti also spun it on his own in the wet just a few a handful of laps into the race Indeed, almost took out Hinchcliffe. Um, Hinchcliffe was at, at a front row seat to see him Marco spin out. And he said he only saw Marco backwards at the last possible second. Um, it, it, it was a close one, to say the least. So, effect, in the end, this brought out the red flag. Um, they, they, they pulled the cars in the pits. Um, and that was effectively the end of day one's running. Um, it, 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 it was... Just that was it. It was like they waited, I think, a good couple of hours, desperate, you know, to try and see if they could if they could run it tonight, even even against the time. But they ran out of TV time effectively, so they had to postpone the race until Monday. Unfortunately, um, you know, which is never a nice which is never a nice thing. Um, but we did get one beautiful gift from the uh, from the Sunday's running. And that was an, an NBC interview with one mayor of Hinchtown regarding his cockpit-related habits. Oh, um, yes. Um, I always say that rain delays, red flags under rain, um, they're the times where television producers make their money. They have to produce original content on the fly, and boy, Indeed. did we get some good ones. Indeed. I, I, I remember Canada 2011 when the BBC team on F1 was at its absolute best, and I remember... 
that like Jake Humphrey and David Coulter had to fill time for an entire hour. Um, and it was so good. It was the best they've ever been in terms of broadcasting quality. Um, like the famous line of DC saying, that's the famous red-shouldered blackbird trying to be David Attenborough as a bird was on track and they were interviewing everybody with the umbrellas. Like, it was fantastic. Anyway, um, they, they they catch Hinchcliffe um, in the paddock effectively again. Again, we, at this point, we pretty much know they're not going to run the race um, at this point. Um, so <laughs> they interview James Hinchcliffe and Hinchcliffe straight up admits that he peed himself in the cockpit <laughs> before they had to tell the drivers to come out of the cars. Um, it was a thing of beauty. I knew it sometime was... in my career it would happen, said Hinchcliffe. During that first red flag, my legs were shaking. I can officially say I joined the likes of Dario Franchitti and Will Power, and I say that you are talking to a man who has just wet himself. <laughs> it was... Arguably the interview of the year so far. Like, like we talked about Seb Bourdais' scathing rant after Long Beach just a week ago, and how that well, like it, it got it got more and more grim the more you read down the page. <laughs> like just calling everybody around him idiots, including his own teammates, which that's what was funny. This one just gets funnier the more you read it. Exactly, it's fantastic, and like. If anything, like it kept going after the Monday race, we'll, we'll come back to this in a little bit. But uh, like, um, he is in a post-race press conference with Ryan Hunter Ray, and it just gets funnier and funnier as it goes down. Um, so here is like the transcript of that interview after the race. He's, he's in there with Ryan Hunter Ray, an old friend of his from his Andretti days. Um, Inchcliffe asks Ryan, like, how nervous were you with the number five car breathing down your neck at the end of the race? Hunter Ray goes, it was terrible. I was like, why is he going so fast? We're saving fuel. Uh, Hinchcliffe asks him, did you pee yourself? <laughs> Hunter Ray goes, I didn't. Did you? Hinch goes, not today. I was covered in a different yellow liquid, but that was after the race. <laughs> Hunter Ray goes, we thought you were popular on Dancing with the Stars. You've taken a whole other level now. Hitch goes, I joked, this morning it was the pee heard around the world because it was literally picked up by more media outlets. Hunter A goes, no doubt, man. Good on you, brother. Uh, Hitch goes, my phone was blowing up. I did not expect that at all. And Hunter A goes, you should start a movement. Something where people pee their pants on road trips and take pictures. What would you hashtag it? Hinchcliffe goes, Hashtag Grand P. Instead of Grand Prix, Grand P. Hunter A goes, we'll get back to you. Now, after a, a couple of questions about, you know, Hinchcliffe's finish, which I won't spoil just yet, um, like, moderator goes like, no need to make serious decisions is this one. Now, as uh, as, as Hinchcliffe's talking about his result, and, you know, he's, he's, he's finally got a nice bit of luck at Barber. He's flirted with a, sort of a good result here before. Never really quite happened. Like, Hunter A just comes out of nowhere and says... I've got it. Hitchtown hose me down. Something like that. Hinch <laughs> in response goes, nice, but it looks like you're peeing on somebody else. Hose it down. Hitchtown hose it down. We'll work on that. That's good, though. <laughs> yes, I think we have our new episode title when 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 James wins his next race. We have to call it Hinchtown hose me down now. It, like, it, it, like we, we have to do this. <laughs> There is there there is no other episode title I would accept. That is a, all those in favour say aye, aye, aye. 
Dilly dilly. Excellent. Now. <laughs> that just got banned from the Masters, my friend. <laughs> hey, Andre. Listen. Light the candle. <laughs> Mashed potatoes. Um, but, um, oh, dear. Like, the, the, the Masters seriously banned Diddy Dilly? Yep. Yes. You will be ejected. You were. You. You would have been ejected from the the ground if you said dilly dilly. No, Bud Light actually had to come in and like make a public response and give out dilly dilly T-shirts and hats. I love it. Golf is so stupid. Golf is ridiculous. Imagine I was like, if me turn this fucking racetrack into just another golf course like every one of them that we have in Alabama. That would have been yeah. bad. That would that wouldn't have been that wouldn't have been as fun, would it? Um, so. RJ, how was it? What was it like at the end of that first day when the rain was pissing it down? And I think the slow realization came through that yeah, we're not getting a race tonight. Oh, it was miserable. I uh, I think I think a lot of people that were there on Sunday and couldn't get back Monday deserved a much better experience because go back and watch the last three races at Berber. It's always been a fun time. This it hasn't been. if if not for the weather, it would have broken attendance records. And, you know, from my own vantage point, I can't imagine, like, a worse feeling just riding the tram back to the shuttle to go back to the car, and I'm wet, and the wind's blowing right in my face, and I'm just miserable, and my socks are all wet, my feet are all wet, Mm -hmm. everything's wet, my phone's been waterlocked five times, no matter how waterproof this case says it is. Oh, buddy. But besides that, it was a good time, though, wasn't it? Yeah. (laughs) Had a, had a good slice of pizza, bought a couple diecast cars, got the uh, got the Bourdais, Alonso, Sato, and New Garden cars from 2017. Uh, nice. Got a few cups, got a Barber Motorsports Vintage Museum journal. The museum's great, rain or side. It's five feet of vintage motorcycles and race cars. You've got a, you've got a separate uh, John Surtees exhibit with all of his championship winning cars and bikes. You've got a Dan Gurney exhibit. Of course, very timely, giving his recent passing and how much Surtees and Gertie themselves were involved in the creation of this track. And they've just added a second wing to the museum as well that was finished awesome. up just last year. It's a good time. Can you believe that admission to this is only 15 bucks as well? Damn. 15 bucks? Is that it? $15 on race day. How? How is that so cheap? A tenner for a race ticket. God damn. <laughs> God damn you, America. A one Grand Prix for the year is like That'd literally be... 20 times that. To be cl- <laughs> to clarify, it was $40 for a one-day race ticket, but it was 15 to actually get into the museum. So it wasn't that's like still that just... cheap. Yeah, yeah that's, that's very cheap. We get passed like... for like 75 to 80 bucks. And that's like the whole weekend and like paddock passes then. Yes, that's the whole weekend. That's paddock passes. Uh, pretty much gets everything. Yeah, pretty much that is the the peak experience without you know being in like a hospitality area. I I, I hate you, America. Why are your races so goddamn affordable? <laughs> I don't know. What, I don't know what it is. We just cut corners on a lot of other things that are essential in life. It's fine. Yeah. Yeah. You know, my, like uh, you say, this is like file a mortgage to try and afford Silverstone tickets. You, you got it, buddy. Right. So we we, we get today too. Um, Monday morning, eleven a.m. start Eastern time. Um, like bright and early as always. The entry was free for day two. Um, so, 
This is where things got a bit controversial. They were going to restart the race from lap 27, where, again, where the running effectively ended after the red flag um, from the previous night. However, a lot of the buzz got taken out of it straight away when IndyCar announced overnight that there would be no Park Ferme conditions. You were allowed to change tyres and refuel your cars, which was very unfair for people like Marco Andretti, who was on an alternate strategy, and that advantage has now just immediately been wiped out. Yeah. Sad times. It was extremely controversial. Uh, on the matter, as the race was starting, Jay Fry said to the press, well, we would have done it, but uh, apparently the 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 panic at, at Barbara was too wide open, too many entrances. They didn't feel like they could have protected the integrity of a Parc Ferme, so they said that this was the best thing they could do to, you know ensure the integrity of the race so it sounds to me like they're saying they don't they didn't have a good enough defense out there yeah they didn't have a good enough defense today unfortunately <sighs> that's just not the alabama way since when did nick saban end up in our in our other seat like what, now i'm missing something here <laughs> well i do just have a uh, i do just have a can of coca-cola just sitting here on my uh, on my desk here for no discernible reason other than to just sit no. there there was one dissenting opinion on the whole situation, even after, uh, you know, reasoning was provided. In Racer at Racer.com, Marshall Pruitt pretty much said that uh, IndyCar could have instructed the teams to place caps over their uh, refueling ports in the cars using seals, uh, seals that would be installed by the series, obviously, and it would have been he feels it would have been reasonable to prevent overnight tampering. I don't know, but that's, I don't that's... trust these mechanics. I don't trust them. They're very hardworking people. I don't trust them to play by the rules. If you if you just let them work like that, yeah. Can I also just say that we're coming up at like the end of a pit window anyway, and I'm thinking like, man, they're just all gonna dive down the pits at once. That's not any put it like that is actually a pretty valid point. But this this, this is true. Motorsport is based on the foundation of cheating. Like this, this, I, is the, this is the series that gave us all the upside down transponder. Yeah, like, do you trust these IndyCar dudes? Not with your life is, is, is all I would say. Graham um, Rahal still... can't even trust Simon Pagano's mechanics with playing the <laughs> fitting music. Really. <laughs> It's like when you, when you throw on top of that. I, I remember the Mozo GP story about when Va, when Valentino Rossi had his pit crew come out and sweep his side of the grid <laughs> so he could get a better launch off the line. People will find any sort of advantage um, to take advantage of a motorsport like that. And yeah, I, I, I was not gonna. I was not going to buy the idea. Of, Let's just tape over the fuel caps. That'll work. Um, no. Um, so, yeah, sadly, there was no alternative, really. No, no park firm. So they had to restart. You know, there was a, they were allowed to tweak the cars, you know, edit the uh, fuel and the tyres before going back out again. Very uh, Monaco 2011, if you remember that F1 yeah. race. Will Power got uh, to restart, despite the fact that he had crashed out of the race, which probably makes Connor Daly from a couple of years ago feel like, <laughs> the fuck? Even more so than the fact he's not there in the first place full time. Now it's like, oh, then let, 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 let Will Power come back in now, too, even though he's like 14 laps down. Fantastic. <laughs> yeah, they were still putting his car together when the race started, and they and they put it together a lot quicker than they expected. Ultimately didn't finish the race, but, you know, still got some very valuable laps and didn't finish entirely at the bottom of the field. 
Indeed, he would he would go on to finish in 21st, a couple of extra points. Uh, you never know in IndyCar, so they all count, as they say. I mean, remember when Scott Dixon won the title on Countback and it was because of that extra point he got in Iowa, but even though it was 20 laps down, they all count, my friends. They all count. So, as I was saying, the race restarts on lap 27, and it was starting to play out quite interestingly. Joseph Newgarden had, had took off from the front on a two-stop strategy. I mean... As we found out at RJ, like, we were no longer racing to a lap count. The clock came up very quickly. We realized, yeah, we're not going to get the full 90 laps here. Um, We were going to get a timed race. I mean, the clock came up at about 55 minutes to run. But uh, Penske and Newgarden knew what they were doing. They were going to tell Joseph, listen, all out. We're not going to make one stop. Just just put put your foot down and see what happens, basically. Hammer down, (laughs) beat him down, Tennessee. Stand up. This was looking like an absolute ass-kicking. It was. Like, New Garden was literally a good second and a half, or a good second and a half quicker in dry running, um, compared to Bourdais, who had crept up, crept up to second place, because Bourdais never goes away in these situations. Um, Seb Bourdais was in second, and he was intentionally trying to run to the flag on one stop, as was... Some of his other rivals in the field, like Ryan Hunter-Ray and James Hinchcliffe, who were both trying the one-stop strategy. Um, Alex Rossi was a little bit further back. He was trying a two-stopper. That didn't quite work out for him. And and the reason why it didn't work out for him was with about 15 minutes to go. Oh, dear God, the rain is back. (laughs) Oh, no. Uh, The blessed rains from Africa. (laughs) Oh. Oh, yes. oh dear. And it was at that point where Joseph Newgarden and Team Petsky and Tim Citric had a critical decision to make. Uh, what do you do about the tires? Because there was no intermediate tire option in IndyCar. There was only dry and wet. And when it is not fully wet, the wet tires tend to heat up a lot. Joseph Newgarden took a massive calculated risk along with the rest of his team. He was the first person to pit for wet tires when the track was not even really that wet. Some had speculated that this was the moment that threw away the race for Joseph Newgarden. As it turns out, uh, this was actually the correct call. It was, and this is despite Newgarden openly admitting after the race that uh, he... He he felt like uh, he cooked the front tires in the wet because he was the first guy to blink, basically. And the track really wasn't wet enough yet to uh, to make it a thing. So, um, yeah, he almost very nearly cooked his front tires. Um, but it turns out he made the right decision in the end. Um, and again, having a 24-second buffer certainly helps. Um, but the, it, you have to feel a little bit for Seb Bourdais on this one. He was running excellently on the one-stopper. It was it was going to get interesting towards the end of that race if it was dry, dot dot dot. But but obviously the rain washed away his one stop strategy. The advantage that he had had from the one stopper was effectively gone. Um, Bourdais basically tried to be the hero. He was like, I'm going to try and run this to the end, not stop, and then see if it either the rain eases up or if his slicks can handle it. And as any race guy will tell you, when slicks lose temperature on a wet circuit, um, you drop off quite quickly. And Bordet fell about, I'd say, about six, seven minutes short and had to come in. He, he, he could not take it anymore. Um, and because he had ran so late, a few of his rivals had uh, 
had come through and overtaken him in the end. But he and Dale Coyne were, were very honest about it post-race. They said, listen, we were going for the win. And that was the only way they were going to win that race. Um, given their rivals around them had already stopped earlier, like obviously Newgarden, Hunter Ray, Hinchcliffe and Wickens had all come in for a stop. Um, Borde and Dixon were like the last dudes to come in, unfortunately. So it just it just did not work with with him in the end. But uh, King, a valiant effort from your man's indeed. That was an incredible bit of car control to hang on to it for as long as he did. <laughs> yeah, like pretty much. Yeah, as you said, the gamble, the hope that you know the track would stay dry long enough to maybe make it to the finish or at least get a lead large enough so he could come out ahead of Newgarden and. It, just didn't play out that way and man it despite you know despite it not involving any like wheel to wheel action at all I was on the edge of my seat waiting to see what was how it was going to play out it was tense it was super tense like with about 10 minutes to go it was right on the crossover point where like New Garden wasn't going fast enough at one point to chase down Borde. Like, it, for a little while, it was working. Like, it looked like Borde might just hold on to it. But, uh, again, when the rain got heavier. They reported in the pits it was getting heavy. It was, like, legit rain. I think this was the term they used in the pit lane <laughs> to describe it. Rather than just being these legit rain. And, uh, yeah, Borde just could not hold on. He was one of the last guys to pit. He would finish eventually in fifth place. But, uh... Anyone get anyone get a massacue bit survive from two, from Fuji two thousand seven now in that final lap where you went wheel to wheel with Dixon oh, right at the end. Great. That was such race. good racing. There were wheel to wheel through the final two quarters, drag racing to the end. Ultimately, Bordet gets fifth place over Dixon by by a tenth of a second. Not only this, this is the first time Scott Dixon has one seen the checkered flag at Barber and two not finished on the podium for his efforts. Scott, like, like, like I, I love that for Scott Dixon in IndyCar, like, sixth is now considered a bad day at the office. Ugh, bloody Scott Dixon. Freaking Peter Perfect. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I mean, running down the finish real quick, because his new garden would eventually win by just under 10 seconds in the end. It was a, a, a dominant victory for New Garden. I mean, RJ, a couple of words on your mans real quick. That was a fantastic drive, a, a dominant one pretty much from start to finish. First it re- never... Re- yes, yeah, first repaid in the winner of the season. 73 laps led his third win at Barber in the last four years and picks up all the momentum in the world going into the month of May. Indeed, led 73 out of the 82 ran laps in that race. Seb Borday was the only man other than New Garden to lead laps during the restart, and that was the nine laps when after New Garden are coming for wet tyres. That just kind of says it all. Just a completely dominant performance. He gets the absolute maximum 54 points for leading a, leading, leading a lap and leading the most amount of laps as well, and the point for pole position. So he gets the clean sweep of 54 points, a dominant drive from Joseph Newgarden, probably his best. Um, I can remember in the series, I mean, up there with the win in Iowa, or with, with with the damaged hand where he led 282 out of 300 laps, good lord. Um, um, a much-needed podium for Ryan Hunter Ray in second place. His best result, I think you said, RJ, you know, a good year and a half, I want to say. Yeah, the, it's his best finish since the GoPro Indy Grand Prix of Sonoma in 2015. It has been that long since he has finished higher than third. 
Ryan Hunter Ray has kicked so many black cats into mirrors and broken them and knocked over seven unlucky ladders, which Ryan Hunter Ray has all walked under. Yeah, and I'm pretty sure I mentioned this during the last episode, but yeah, it it really feels like Rossi to Hunter Ray is Brady to Bledsoe at the moment, where this may be his best result in a, like a long time, but based on like if you take the whole weekend to, into account, it really feels like it's Rossi's team now. Yeah, Rossi was what I think was it third in qualifying, and he, he he just looks like he's the team leader now. He just is just more consistently up the front now than Hunter Ray is. Like it it feels like it is Alex Rossi's team, and that just kind of says it all. Um, it's 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 it, it it was bad to say the least, but uh, good to see Hunter Ray uh, back back on the podium indeed. In third, James Hinchcliffe. Hooray for the mayor of Hinchtown. Woo! Yes! Yes. The uh, Honda Indy Grand P of Alabama. Working out great for James Hinchcliffe. Finally getting that elusive podium at Barber Motorsports Park. Yep, his best ever result at Barber. His first podium now. And a great day for SPM in general. Um, yeah, well, if, if his teammate Robert Wickens with another fantastic finish in fourth. The rookie in all but name, really. Um, fourth, um, so third and fourth for Team Canada. Start chugging the maple syrup. That team is good, like really, really good. Right, roll now. up the rim for the A team. All hail the A team. It is a beautiful thing. Um, Seb Bourdais, as mentioned, finished in fifth in the end. Probably not what he deserved for such a heroic effort on on the slick tires, but still a solid result for the Dale Coin team. Scott Dixon, as mentioned, in sixth. Graham Rahal refuses to go away in 7th. His teammate for RL Takuma Sato in 8th. Now let's talk a little bit about Simon Pagano, who finished in ninth in the end. He was not happy with one Gabby Chavez, was he, gentlemen? Uh-uh. Not one bit. Like, should we have like a mini episode of Motorsport 101 Fight Club right here with uh, Pagano and Gabby Chavez got into it in the press box, or in basically Gabby Chavez's pit box after the race had finished, and it nearly ended in fisticuffs. Um, <laughs> it nearly ended in fisticuffs right in front of our own Krista Hardy. Yeah, yeah Chris had video. <laughs> if you follow Chris on Twitter, that's uh, C the Harde, that's like C D E H A R D E. It's an even better um, camera angle than the one we saw earlier. Um,. Like there is, there is no chill. Gabby Chavez dropped about five f bombs in there, um, including one about five seconds in. Where he says to Pagano, "Just get the fuck out of here." When, <laughs> when, when Pagano complains that Chavez did not let Pagano through as quickly as he did with some of the other guys who are uh, trying to lap him during the race, and Pagano was uh, not best pleased to say the least. Um, which was even funnier, really, when. Uh, after the race, Gabby Chavez is going to refuel for Indy in May, and he has a croissant in his mouth. Somehow I feel like that wasn't accidental. The croissant <sighs> is as big as his head. It's It was a huge croissant, to be fair. Like, my word, that thing was enormous. Um, either Gabby's got a really small head, or that pastry is huge. Um, <laughs> it, is, it, is, it, is quite the, it is quite the croissant. But uh, I like that somebody asked Gabby after the race, um, are you more of a croissant or a crepes man? Um, which again, I don't think was accidental. 
Um, <laughs> so, yeah, uh, Pagano and Chavez getting into it on that one. Marco Andretti rounding off the top 10. Alex Rossi, who had a late slide, couldn't handle the conditions in the end. He would finish in 11th place out of Mateus Leist. Zach Veach, who had a good start but fell down the order to 13th in the end. Jordan King in 14th. Uh, Spencer Piggott in 15th ahead of uh, Rene Binder. Uh, Gabby Chavez, as mentioned, was 17th ahead of Tony Canaan. Now, we've got to talk a little bit about Zachary Clemens-Abello, or RJ, as you like to call him now. Yes, uh, Zayman Clayman Damon. Um, or Zachary Clackery de Macri. Uh, Zello Lamello DeMello. Um, he had a very interesting race. Started uh, on Monday with a two-lap penalty for unapproved work during the, uh, the red flag from Sunday. Um, was that going to slow him down? Was he content to just get out of the way? No, he was racing wheel-to-wheel with Grant Rahal trying to unlap himself. He set the fastest outright lap of the race on lap 54. Um, he got into it with Spencer Piggott going into the 7-8-9 complex. <laughs> and, and then, because, uh, because the Pagano-Chavez exchange was not enough, we had ourselves a second round of Fight Club. It's the Graham Fight Club! Boy, oh my God. <laughs> do it for the gram. Yeah, like like there was an inc- like they put the video clip on the gram from in- IndyCar's Instagram of his uh, bump and slide with Spencer Pickett where they were just sliding through the seven eight nine complex. Like like Zach still comes out ahead in the end despite the uh, hard block, shall we say, through the complex. And Marco Andretti puts an Instagram comment of. What an idiot. Two laps down. And then Zach responds, if you've got a problem, say it to my face. Um, and I, I know it's not on the screen cap that we have in our in our chat at the moment. But further down, there's another reply from Sage Carum that says, shots fired. Sage Carum is still here. <laughs> just like out, just out here like throwing gasoline on the fire. Like... like Sage Karam, you are you have no place for talking about aggressive moves given your recent racing career. <laughs> like, I also like the Zoe in their Discord put he wants the Waffle House fight. He wants the Waffle House fi- fight, clothes optional, no guns allowed. <laughs> oh god. Fi- like like Fox like no items, no smash balls, final destination, Fox only. Um, <laughs> Triple scattered uh, all the way, baby. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Like it's it 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 was funny, and uh, yeah, Marco wasn't best pleased, and I, I think that's about as far as it went. But uh, I thought that was quite funny, <laughs> I have to say. So Zachary Clackery, the Macquarie, uh in 19th ahead of Ed Jones, who had mechanical problems in 20th. Will Power, who, as mentioned, was a, a good 30-plus uh, laps down, 29 laps down in the end uh, due to the repaired car. But, hey, as mentioned, every point counts. Um, Max Chilton in 22nd, but sadly both Carlins at the bottom of the field after their great Long Beach weekend. Chilton 22nd and Charlie Kimball 23rd. Charlie Kimball was the only driver who did not take the restart after Charlie went on an adventure into the tire barriers and then tried to blame Ed Jones for it. Like like Charlie Kimball complained that there was a no call from the stewards. Charlie Kimball complained there was a no call (laughs) From the stewards. We're going to move As that punish- slider down from average to... Where does the slider move down to? I think, I think we've gone from slightly above average back down to mediocre Kimball. 
That seems about fair. Not quite draconian just yet. No, no. no, That's uh, for insubordination. We will downgrade him to mediocre. Charlie, you're on such a good run of form. (laughs) Do better. Um, So... That was the full result from uh, Barber. Let's get into the full champion standings. Joseph Newgard now leads the championship. Isn't that a familiar sight? On 158 points. Alex Rossi, 13 points behind in second on 145. A little bit of a way back now to Seb Bordet on 119 in third. Graham Rahal, he never goes away in fourth um, on 119. Is ahead of James Hinchcliffe. He's up to fifth place now on 118. Woo! Um, <laughs> um, Ryan Hunter 8 in sixth with 113. Then Scott Dixon, who's not normally this far down the field. He might drown if he keeps this up on 107. Robert Wickens in eighth with 97 points. Marco Andretti in ninth with 88 points. He's probably got a nosebleed from being that high up. And Will Power in tenth on 81 points. Just ahead of Ed Jones. Five it's all different co- teams inside the top yeah. five of the standings. Six yeah, inside I, the top ten. I, I have a couple of comments to make about these standings. Number one, Scott Dixon's probably going to drown down, down there, but he's probably not drowning in pancake batter. Number two... Um, uh, hey, 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 <laughs> hey. Did, did, did you just bring up the Scott Dixon code word? <laughs> <laughs> We're moving on. Number two... If, I know, Not. Still, I know we're still early in the season, but if someone told me that we could potentially have a title fight between Joseph Newgarden, Alexander Rossi, and Sebastian Bourdais three years ago, I would have probably said, get the fuck out of here. You're crazy. <laughs> like, it's like, and then what's funny is like Sebastian Bourdais being in the title picture again in 2018 would be like the least ridiculous part of the three. Like, um... This but man hey, is that's... almost 40 years old driving for Dale Coy Racing with some of the other functional bits of what used to be KV Racing as well. Yes. But still. Um, still. <laughs> and the two biggest young Americans, like three of the four of, in the top four of the championship is like the three backbone young Americans in the series. How nuts is that? Like, Newgarden, Rossi, and Rahal are three of the top four contenders, and James Hinchcliffe is in the mix as well. It's all a little bit weird. Um, so, yeah, it's, 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 it's fun times in the IndyCar standings at the moment, to say the least. Shall we get into the news, fellas? Yes. Yeah. We should also mention the month of May is coming up. The IndyCar Grand Prix is the next round of May the 12th. That's a Saturday race. Um, Simon Paginot has won it twice. Will Power has won it twice. Yeah, and I should note that that day is looking like it's gonna be like a a pre-day of classics with obviously may 12th being the grand prix of indy also same day will be the historic grand prix at monaco which has a stacked entry list this year and How also stacked? uh we're talking over 150 formula one cars damn uh, if, if you count pre-war grand prix cars into that mix we're talking over 180 entries Jesus Damn. Christ. And, yeah, it's all going to be live-streamed on the internet, free of charge. Uh, I'm pretty sure John Heindahl is going to be doing commentary like he did the last Historic Monaco Grand Prix. Uh, Less. It's gonna be fun he might be you. at the Nürburgring, though. I think oh, that yeah, that's true. Priority. There's Clash. Which is also going to be... There's also going to be... <laughs> that's also going to be free to watch. Yes, the 24 hours of the Nürburgring starts the same day, obviously, as the 
uh, as the curtain raiser for the 24 hours is a demo lap from the Porsche 919 Evo slash tribute, whatever they're calling it. Oh, oh, oh God. It's like, I, I feel like all the guys in the room after the Wombo Combo video happened. Like, 919 Evo around the Nürburgring. This is like every Gran Turismo 4 wet dream, like, ever assembled right here. Break the record. Um, do it, Porsche. You have <laughs> do nothing to lose. Do it! <laughs> Just do let it! Your, let your dreams... Don't, don't let your dreams be dreams. Do it! <laughs> we need this to happen. And if, and if, if it doesn't happen, uh, we, we can always settle for Jimmy Broadbent's videos on YouTube. Go on, Jimmy. Um... Get Jimmer to actually drop the 990. <laughs> like, Neil Watch Yanni. him shit himself. Neil Yanni, move over. We're getting Jimmer in the seat. Please, no Ponzerino, Jimmer. Dead. Right. <laughs> D-E-D dead. <laughs> uh, so, shall we get a little bit into the news? As yes. uh, Motorsport Magazine has unveiled its latest list of candidates for its own Hall of Fame, which is interesting, to say the least, King. Yes, I'd probably, I'd probably put it up there. I'd probably say right now in terms of prestige, like the Motorsport Magazine Hall of Fame is probably only second to uh, the Hall of Fames we have here in the States, the International Motorsports Hall of Fame and the Motorsports Hall of Fame of America. I, I, still, I still need a couple more classes from the FIA Hall of Fame to really gauge it, but I'd probably put, yeah, Motorsport Magazine's Hall of Fame is above the FIA's Hall of Fame at the moment. And they're all below Matt Nybelt. Matt Nybelt Volume 2, coming soon. Obviously. Coming soon. We we still haven't built the section for for, for the first one yet. We're we're too busy finding all the limestone to build the mountain. (laughs) That's fine. That's fine. That's fine. fine. We got time. We got time. Work work in progress. Work in progress. Gang, tell us more about this this entry list. Before we get into the entry list, I want to run down who's already in the Hall of Fame so we don't end up like the Motorsport Magazine comment section... Who is, which is pretty much, mm. why didn't X get nominated? And I have to reply, well, X is already in the Hall of Fame. Yes. Derp. Yes. So I'm going to quickly run through the eight classes so far that have been inducted into the Hall of Fame. Okie dokie. So the the founding class who weren't elected by the public, the, the editorial staff in Motorsport Magazine said that they were given, they automatically get in. So the... So the inaugural class of eight was one, Enzo Ferrari, which is obvious, you know, founder of Scuderia Ferrari, kind of also a given. Mm-hmm. Number two, uh, the 1925 European Riders Champion, the 1932 European Drivers Champion, winner of the 1933 24 Hours of Le Mans, as well as the 1930 and 1933 Amilla Tanzio Nuvolari, he was a second entry. Obviously, nice. like the, the the famous quote from Dr. Ferdinand Porsche, he was the he's the greatest driver uh, of the past, present, and future. You know, which Bret Hart, you know, ripped off decades down the line. Of course, uh, <laughs> I bet you Tanzio Nuvolari didn't know how to put on the sharpshooter, though. <laughs> mm. It was almost as bad as Dwayne the Rock Johnson's. We love you, Dwayne. Just don't put on the sharpshooter. Uh, number three, the 1980, 1990, and 1990, 1991 World Drivers Champion, Ayrton Senna. Do Brazil. Do, do, do. <laughs> do, 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 do. 
Indeed. Okay, the 1963-1965 and uh, World Drivers Champion, as well as 1965 Indianapolis 500 winner, as well as 1964 British Saloon Card Champion, Jim Clark. Okay. Indeed. We've got two Scotsmen in the field as well of this inaugural class. Yes. Another three-time Formula One World Drivers Champion, Jackie Stewart. Uh, five-time Formula One World Drivers Champion, Juan Manuel Fangio. And uh, arguably the greatest driver never to be World Drivers Champion, Sterling Moss. And then finally rounding out the inaugural class, seven-time Formula One World Drivers Champion, Michael Schumacher. Yes. Just so, so running, decent, yes. running so through the next few classes, um, Mario Andretti, Tony Brooks, Jackie Itz, Ron Dennis, 2010, um, Jack Brabham, Frank Williams, Jody Schechter, Dario Franchetti in 2011. <laughs> Who they 20, even, like, slightly acknowledge that he's a member of the staff. <laughs> 2012 was Colin McRae, Giacomo Agostini, John Surtees, and Adrian Newey. 2013 was Colin Chapman, Graham and Damon Hill as a joint entry, Nikki Lauda, and Tom Christensen. 2014 was James Hunt, John McGinnis, Ross Braun, and Alan Pross. 2015, uh, so, excuse me, we uh, skipped a year up to 2016 where we had yeah, Professor Yeah, they didn't Sitkins. have a class. Yeah. <laughs> Professor Sid Watkins, Derek Bell, Valentino Rossi, Dan Gurney, and Sebastian Loeb. And just last year, Nigel Mansell, Brian Redmond, Barry Sheen, Roger Penske, Murray Walker, and David Richards. So how do you guys feel about this Hall of Fame so far? I think it's solid. Yeah, seems about right. Yeah, I'd probably say, like, the only question mark I'd put on there is mm, maybe Rossi, because he's still an active competitor in, like, his most notable series, and uh, Dario. Like, we have to note, Dario got inducted into the Hall of Fame while he was still in IndyCar. Yeah, that's a little little bit of a homer pick, but... uh... Oh, given given Dario's like overall legacy, it's justified now. But like back then, a little bit suspect. Yeah. But um, yeah, like they got it right in the end, I suppose. You know, it's it's like down the line. Like, they, they, <laughs> they they clearly have a TARDIS in that office that we don't know about. You know, so no, no, Zoe. <laughs> It doesn't matter if he was on a run. He was still in the IndyCar series. You can't... Like, most Hall of Fames have a rule saying that you can't be elected if you're still an active competitor. Like, the NFL gives it five years before you're eligible to even get in. Like, it's... It's... Like, like you got to be careful when you're putting people in while they're still racing. It's, WWE it just it. books your retirement match the following day at WrestleMania. It's fine. <laughs> Like, I think, for them. Well, I your think first retirement match, I should say. It would have been a whole lot questionable if Dario wasn't forced to retire. If Dario was still in the series as of today, it would look highly questionable. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> who are our shortlist of nominees for this award in 2018? One that is clearly not as good as not Nyveld. Okay, so, yeah, they divide the shortlist into categories by, you know, category of racing... So, opening up with the Formula One shortlist, it is Gilles Villeneuve, uh, Mike Costin, and Keith Duckworth as a joint entry as the founders of Cosworth, and Jensen Button. 
Sorry, Super GT yeah. Superstar Jensen Button. Also, right. uh, can I just say that I'm drawn to this photo they used of Jill Villeneuve just because his, his suit says smeg on it. <laughs> hey. So, um, Jill Villeneuve is a smeghead. <laughs> so, to, to run down the nominees who didn't make the shortlist this year for Formula One, uh, Mika Hakkinen, Emerson Fittipaldi, uh, Bernd Rosemeyer, Ronnie Peterson, Nelson Piquet, Jochen Rint, Mike Hawthorne, Gordon Murray, John Cooper. I'm sorry, how did Jensen Button make the shortlist and Mika Hakkinen didn't? Well, here's how the, the induction process works. The editorial team pick the full nominees list. Then it's down to a public vote on whether those nominees make the shortlist. So this was a homer pick from the fans. God damn them! <laughs> yeah. What is wrong with you people? No, I'm sorry. Like I love Jensen as much as the next guy, but Mika Hakkinen is fucking amazing. Like, like Hakkinen is, I think, one of the underrated drivers in F1 history, and certainly underappreciated. Like, like how did Gordon Murray not make the shortlist? Anyone? Uh, I don't know. How? He made the greatest road car of all time. Yeah. And the fan car! The fan car! That was and too like, good for F1! <laughs> and it has been years and years, and Costin and Duckworth have yet to make it, despite, you know, founding Cosworth and, you know, designing and building the DFV. But, you know, fans don't care about that. Ah. D- and J- Jens J- Button getting in over Hakkinen is, like, it makes my eyeballs only because I love Mika as well. Like Mika is, it, Mika, if, if anyone hasn't seen Nico Rosberg's video blog with Mika Akkinen that came out last week about we've seen them both in a P1, it is awesome. And Mika Akkinen is precious. Um, <laughs> he is hilarious. The line about you know how he is, you know, like it's like, oh, why, why are you like Nico says to him, why are you wearing a helmet? And then Mika's like, I've got five kids. I need to wear this now. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> okay, moving it's... on to the next category. Actually, okay. before before do, do do who do we think is actually going to make it in? So there's a chance. So the way it works is if you get more than fifty percent of the public vote, you're in the Hall of Fame. But they don't reveal the results until then. Who do you think got a high enough tally from the F1 category to make it in? From this category, I would have to say it's Jill. He is the ultimate yeah. F1 folk hero, not in terms of his yes. results, but, you know, just because of the spectacle that he brought to driving. You know, he is he is the ultimate tall tale. He is F1's equivalent to, like, a Bo Jackson in some regards. Sure. Like, it's, it's one of those things where, like, he's the sort of driver where, like, you had to be there to see him perform. I know Jeremy Clarkson's talked about this before, that until Senna came along, he had Jill down as a greatest no, racing no, no. driver. At the seen. end of the Senna segment, he said he doesn't consider Ayrton Senna to be the greatest driver all t- all time. He thinks it's Jill Villeneuve. Yeah, yeah, that's what I was saying. Like, I was getting to that. But it was like, yeah, you're absolutely right. Yeah, like, he had Jill's the greatest ever. And this is a guy that's gone, what, coming on nearly 60 now, geez. Um, but you're absolutely right. Like, I think that is the nearest thing we'll get to a Bo Jackson figure in Formula 1. I think RJ hit the nail on the head. And I think given that he is on there and given the modern-day relative value of his popularity, Jensen Button will get in. I, like, I, I, I think there's too many modern motorsport fans that will see his name on the ballot and like they're not, they're not going to leave it blank, which is, yeah, which is they're, funny they're because... Gonna, they're not going to you know, 
recognize that, yeah, he kind of never won a world championship, unfortunately. They're still going to vote him in. Right. The thing with, like, and this is the thing with Jensen as well. It's like, me and Brother Ryan have had many a discussion about a Hall of Fame before, and, like, I love that, like, our baseline for it is what like, was what we called the Jensen Button Test. It's like, was we had Jensen Button as, like, the peak baseline for a Hall of Fame level career. Won a world title, won a couple of key races in there. 300 you know, Grand starts. Yeah, like, the, like he had a couple of X-Factors in there, again, yeah, in the he, 300 club. What, he has you know. wins with three different constructors? Yeah, three different constructors' victories. Wet weather specialist, which is always, you know, good for the fans. Entertaining driver, because he was so good in changeable conditions. If he gets um, in, he needs to go in with the Raybrook hat. <laughs> not the Braun GP hat, not the McLaren hat, but the full-on Raybrook team hat. It is a thing of beauty. Like, I, 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 I endorse this. Um, like, and the, again, like statistically, well, Jensen had, what, 50 podiums, 15 wins? It's a right about in the middle of what I consider to be a Hall of Fame career. So but when we do it, when we talk about it at home, we call it the Jensen Button Test. There's a little uh, insight into the uh, sad, sad home life of the Harrison family. But um, that's what we often get. Like, 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 if you, they're going to have the ballot there and they're not going to ignore Jensen. I think, he, I, think he, I think he'll get in. I really do. Um, so, yeah. The Should we next, go to the cars then? Yeah, the next category, first time ever, the inaugural best racing car class, where we have the uh, we have the iconic MP44, won 15 of the 16 Grand Prix in the 1988 season, and just felt two points shy in the constructors of having more points than every other team combined. Decent car. Decent um, car. Uh, the next nominee is the Porsche 917. Pretty much dominated sports car racing for about a decade. Mm-hmm. Yes, Juan Lama in 1970 and 71 uh, recorded the uh, record capable of doing up to 245 miles an hour down the straights. <laughs> that's almost 400 clicks in in new money. That's um, that's terrifying. Yeah, and the. The 1973 Can-Am season, you know, Can-Am, where they had no rules and it was anything goes, they won every race in the 1973 season. And two, bulked it up to 1,010 horsepower, the original 919 Evo project before it's God time. help us all. <laughs> yeah, again, decent car. Um... Next up is the legendary Audi Quattro. Oh, that's a car. The forerunner <laughs> to Group B rallying, the one, the genesis for which it all started. Uh, the three cars that got nominated but did not make the shortlist, the Ford RS500 Cosworth, the dominatory Ooh. car of the late 1980s, the Williams FW14B, which was a, a, a freak of modern engineering that even still today has not been surpassed, and the Jaguar SJR9, one of the premier cars of Group C prototype racing in the late 80s. That's a stacked category, man. All no, no, six no, cars no, no. are legendary. The last three cars didn't make the short list. I know, and I'm just saying, it's like, like even the three that didn't make it in, you would have a very valid case for. Um, especially the F14B. What a car that was. Holy shit. Yeah, like, part um, of me is like, all of them needs to make it in. But it's like, if I had to say of... I'd have to say the McLaren would be the only one to make it in. The only one to get enough support to get in. 
So like, so is there limitations on the amount of you can vote for one ballot? Is it like baseball where you can just put like up to ten names for their Hall of Fame, or is it like is it just one per category? No, no. So the way it works is pretty much everyone picks their own shortlist. If if pretty much more than fifty percent of people put that car in their shortlist, then yeah, it's in. Yeah, so, I think the MP4 is going to be anyone that's going to make the cut then, because that is a legendary F1 car and F1. For better or worse, is just so much more popular than the other categories mentioned. So, like, and that MP4 is legendary, and it's more modern day relevant now because it's featured in video games like F1 2017 and Forza Motorsport 6 and 7. So, I think there's a good chance it'll get in with millennial voters as well. So, I would say the MP4 4 is probably going to be the only one that makes it in out of those three, I would say. Yeah. We have more categories. We have a uh, sports cars list. Uh, Pedro Rodriguez, Hans Joachim Stuck, uh, and Henri Pescarolo um, are the shortlist candidates getting out overfield that included driver Joe Siffert, team principal John Wire, Porsche technical chief Norbert Singer, Vic Elford, another driver, Stefan Beloff, another driver, Bob Wallach, another driver, W.O. Bentley, which probably is the oldest name on this list. <laughs> yeah. Uh, someone mm-hmm. more contemporary, Emmanuel Lepiro, and Olivier Gendebine, who was one of the top endurance racers of the 1960s. So, yeah, Pedro Rodriguez, you probably know him because the Autodromo Hermanos Rodriguez, he's one of the brothers that is the Hermanos Rodriguez. And pretty much, he won two Grand Prix, but pretty during the, the early 70s, he was seen as sports car racing's next star. Unfortunately, he tragically lost his life before he could, you know, achieve, you know, his full potential. Anyone you reckon will make it in out of that category? Um, of the three, I think, I think given, um, given, I, I think it would be Pascarolo. He has yeah. a record 33 starts in the event. Um, he was a part of the race for about five decades, both as a driver and as a car builder. Yeah, I would. I'd yeah. say Hans Joachim Stuck. He's like, you know, obviously he's the son of the pre-war Grand Prix driver, arguably champion Hans Stuck. Uh, he kind of has that pedigree going for him, where Motorsport Magazine's audience kind of leans towards that. Obviously, we had you know both the hills as a joint entry. So I could see Stuck maybe getting in. It would be close, but I'd probably have to agree with RJ, where Pescarolo is probably going to be the only person who gets in. Right. Should we get into something that's more in a Dre's wheelhouse, King? Oh, yep. Oh, <laughs> the oh. likes category. Oh, hello. <laughs> Tell me more. So the three nominees for the motorcycles category is uh, are uh, Mike Halewood. Uh, King Kenny sure. Roberts, uh, Joey Dunlap, hey. and yeah, that's that's the short list. Those who did not make the list this year: uh, Freddie Spencer, Kevin Swans, Wayne Rainey, uh, Mick Dewin, Jeff Duke, uh, Eddie Lawson, uh, Shirokiro Honda, Casey Stoner, and Jim Redman. 
Like, I find if I, the rejected list is arguably just as stacked, if not more so, than the actual three nominations. It's like, that is a who's who of MotoGP Hall of Famers right there. But like, you've got pretty much the entire, like, 70s, 80s, and 90s wing from the Hall of Fame of, of, of motorcycle racing in, like, in the rejected list. I think that's hilarious. Um, I don't know. Um... Is bikes popular enough to even get on that shortlist in the first place, let alone with the names mentioned? Because I think guys like Mick Doohan and Freddie Spencer would have a much better chance to go. Because, like, Freddie Spencer was basically the, the Mark Marquez of his era. He was freakishly good and freakishly young when he did it. Um, um, Mick Doohan, again, was the face of bike racing in the 90s as well. Um like Dewan was he won 52 top flight races he was so good if I I recall right now like what there are only five inductees that are currently in there for motorcycle achievements where it's I think currently it's Surtees uh, Ago uh, yeah Surtees Rossi of course yeah Rossi McGinnis and Sheen yeah, and that's like a who's who of like the iconic names in all facets of motorcycle racing. Really, Vossi Valentino's going to be in there. John McGuinness is the king of the Isle of Man. No surprises there. Um, I would vote Joey Dunlop because yeah, when I, think I first... It, yeah. Dunlop, yeah. yeah. When I first came to know the Isle of Man TT for real life, Joey Dunlop was the man. He had pretty much won everything to the event. He was still competitive up to the time that he passed away in a racing accident in 2000. Um... Yeah, I'm surprised he wasn't even there to begin with. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Yeah, I, I think Dunlop, especially given, like, you guys don't know the Isle of Man TT fan base. <laughs> it is, it is, they're like rabid wolverines. So, like, if they see, like, uh, if they're an Isle of Man fan and they see Dunlop's name on the, on the shortlist, he's getting in with those dudes for sure, guaranteed. So... If there's enough bike nuts out there, Dunlop's got a really good chance. I will say that much. Yeah, if, if I had to rank it in terms of preference, it'd probably Dunlap first, Halewood second, and unfortunately yeah. King Kenny third. Yeah, King Kenny's just yeah, like they, I think there's just too many other stack names for uh, Robert Senior to get in. Unfortunately, um, Kenny Robert Senior, the guy who basically pioneered the way most uh, motorcycle road racers ride their bikes nowadays. <laughs> Indeed, and it's a shame because it's just such a stat category. Yeah, um, maybe next year. Maybe next year. Maybe next year. Yeah, very much so. That could be a very much a not quite, a not quite in there yet sort of pick. Um, yeah, next category. Ooh, the American category, because you know we're so we're so special. We need our own category. <laughs> of course you do. So uh, the the short list is AJ Foyt, Phil Hill. Yeah. And Richard Petty, and those who did not make the short list, uh, Jimmy Johnson, Mark Donahue, Jeff Gordon, Dale Earnhardt Sr., Bill France Sr. and Jr., Rick Mears, Alan Tr. Sr., John Force, and Jim Hall. So the, the rejection list is like the entire history of American motorsport past and present, <laughs> as you do. Um, <laughs> um, gosh, um... Well, again, it's going to boil down to how many Americans vote on this, I think. Because on paper, let's be real here, all three guys have got a really good, have got a really strong claim to this, especially, yeah, I think, AJ Foyt yeah, and AJ Richard Petty. 
and you know Phil Hill being America's first Formula One world champion. Of course, um, I and think a winner Pef- at Le Mans. Yeah, indeed. <laughs> yeah, three wins at Le Mans. Yeah, I think I think on popularity terms, I think Petty and uh, yeah, I think Petty's got a much bigger chance of getting in there. Um, but again, I think it comes down to how many Americans vote on that. Um, which I, I, don't I would know, give it to but... Foyt. I would give it to Foyt the with just from like a, a standpoint of like where is the needle moving in American motorsport? It seems like NASCAR's popularity is waning just a bit in the cars. While not nearly as much as NASCAR's is now, and even a tailspin, it's picking up. Uh, yeah. I'd have to say, based on who's already in the Hall of Fame, where we already have Andretti and Frank Heaty in the Hall of Fame, I think we're going to see AJ Foyt in the Hall. Yay! Like, and inducting AJ Foyt would be a hive of killer bees. Um, <laughs> <laughs> next category? I believe no, that, that's that was it. it. That's it. That's the whole list. So, so how big is the shortlist in general? shortlist in general in terms of total it's numbers. 12 it's it's 13 people and 3 cars yeah and how many are you allowed to put in your ballot uh it's it's per category it's per category so it's, is it one per category then no 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 it's whoever like it's just like baseball so you could have you could have all right so whoever gets over the threshold gets in so so it's like you can have as many or as little as you like, basically. So, like, we had, there have been classes as small as four. There have been, there's that one year that nobody got in. There's that, there's been classes as large as eight. So, you know, anything can go down. So, King, what's your ballot? It, it's hard to judge. If I had to pick one from each category, like if I had to just straight up pick one, sure. it would have to be uh, Costin and Duckworth for Formula One. It'd have to be the Audi Quattro for the for racing car, uh, Hans Jakob Stuck for sports cars, uh, Joey Dunlap for uh, motorcycles, and ooh, Phil Hill for, for U.S. racing. Wow, Phil Hill. Okay. Good um, picks. I'm going. Uh, I'm going Villeneuve for F1. I'm going the McLaren MP44 for the best race car. I'm going uh, AJ Foyt for U.S. racing. I'm going uh, Henri Pescarol for sports cars, and for bikes, Joey Dunlop. I think me and I just pretty much got the exact same um, ballot. To be honest with you, I think that seems to. I think that works out about right for me as well. Um, so yeah, we'll see more on that, and we'll give you the final class when they announce the inductees. Yeah, the winners uh, will be revealed on June fourth. One for the summer months. Um, Okie dokie. RJ, tell us a little bit about Indy Lights. Oh yes, but hold on, I've got some breaking news. It seems like the Red Bull Junior team have signed quarterback Josh Allen from the University <laughs> of Wyoming. Oh, they, they, so they reached they they they, they traded up to go get him then, did they? <laughs> That's that's strange. I, I I didn't know that just being a tall quarterback was so affected was so uh, coveted as a uh, yeah, as a single seater driver. Who knew? It, it's a, it's a look. He's, he's a looks the part all star. I think I think Red Bull have looked at, uh, uh, very impressive his physical size, his pocket presence. 
Um, and uh, they they think they think he's going to be their franchise quarterback of the future. <laughs> and does that mean uh, does that mean Daniel Ricardo's contract is being moved somewhere? Do you think Daniel Ricardo would go to the Pats? <laughs> I, 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 I would, I would, but I think he, I think he runs out of the pocket too much to fit our offense, RJ. <laughs> right. Indy lights happen. This debris is depressingly small, but Patricio Award does not care because no matter if there is just seven people to race with or if there's seven hundred, he is gonna lay the wood. Um, <laughs> he swept both races at Barber Motorsports Park. This is his third win in the first four races of the season. He could have won four in a row if he hadn't screwed up in that second St. Petersburg race. And mm. he now leads the Indy Lights Championship by 16 points over Santi Rutia, who's just been very, very consistent, um, has only won the other race that uh, Pato did not win, uh, but has been stringing together good, solid top five finishes, which, you know, is what you need to uh, get yourself a good championship run together. Um, also, we have to mention uh, Aaron Tietlitz. We mentioned how strugglicious his St. Petersburg weekend was uh, after that it race. Wasn't good. Um, <laughs> where he had to get a, a, a Carlin spare car just to be able to make the second race. Well, we all thought it was going to turn around for Aaron Tietlitz, and then in his first race of the weekend, he gets wiped out in two quarters. Thankfully, he comes back to finish fourth in the second race of the season. Aaron Tietlitz has finally finished a race. Yay! Praise be. Woo! Go on, Aaron. Atta boy. Yes. <laughs> Alfonso Chellis also made his uh, series debut for Young Coast Racing. Um, did not really light the world on fire. He was seventh in the first race, eighth and last in the second. Uh, too many, too many F one practice sessions. Right. Clearly. <laughs> um, yeah. As I've mentioned before, I. I love that there is such a good top crop of talent between Award, uh, Santi, Colton Herta, Victor Franzoni, you can make the case for, but I just wish there was about 10 more of them on the grid at once. Ideally. You'd think. I mean, was it eight cars in the series now full-time? Eight cars for this round. There were just nine uh, at St. Petersburg. We'll have more as Jesus. we go into the month of May because we have two road races at the IMS Road Course coming up and then the Freedom 100, which is always a good time. Yeah, and it, Indeed. It, it's to say that the grid's going to be... Like, hopefully it's not going to be a thing for years to come, especially considering the entry list for the season opener for USF4 came out. And uh, despite... Uh, F3 America's being a thing and they were worried that too many of their graduates were going to, you know deplete the grid uh they have 37 cars good grief how many 37 yeah 37 cars in usf4 good god um that's insane everybody they broke Um, last year's record for the opener of uh 34 and they averaged across the whole season they averaged 32 cars a race that's ridiculous and their first race is this weekend at Virginia International Raceway in Alton, Virginia, which is just above the border of North Carolina, so it's kind of like in between both states. It's yeah. a beautiful track. <laughs> Jesus. Um, that is bonkers. Um, also, apparently behind my back, and I had no idea of this information, because if, if you guys had told me, I'd have actually probably watched it. You, like, RJ convinced King to watch Super Formula. And I'm not happy about this. 
this insubordination in the American camp. You could have come <laughs> watch it with us. It's yeah. on demand on Motorsport <laughs> TV. Not to plug them or anything because they don't need the plugs, but still, it's there. And you get a yeah. free You never told trial. me about this. You can watch the next race. None of you people told me about this. I'm pretty sure it was like, like at a time you wouldn't have enjoyed. Oh, well, yes. how about how, how about to be talking here? Um, about five in the morning UK time. Okay, point taken. <laughs> you, 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 you're all forgiven. Um, right. <laughs> carry on. But, yes, if you have the time to watch it on demand, um, Dre, you like Formula Two, right? It's a fun time. Yeah. Um, now imagine that the races were longer, but still every bend is entertaining. Sounds good. And yes. Formula Two had pushed a pass. And a Formula Ooh. Two had an engine war. Juicy. Tell me more about the spicy meatball. Oh, yes. So we get into the first round of the championship at Suzuka Circuit. Um, Naoki Yamamoto, who is best known these days as Jensen Button's Super GT co-driver, takes pole position. He's a bit good here because this is his seventh career pole position at this circuit. Jesus. He has nine in total. Seven of them had come at Suzuka. Um... Wow. It looks like he's going to run away with this race lock, stock, and barrel. But, of course, we have a new wrinkle is that um, Super Formula now has a prime and option tire for both, for for all races. Just like we have in F1, and F2, and in IndyCar. So, mandatory tire changes at the pit stop, yeah? Right. Yes. Gotcha. Yes. Yamamoto started the race on a medium set of tires. That is effectively their prime compound. He makes them last about... 30 35 laps so he has to do about the final 20 laps of the race on the soft tires which uh were expected to go about 14 or 15 so he is very much in tire mm. conservation mode this is where we pivot to the story of what yuhi sekiguchi driving for a tachu inet steam impulse he starts 14th he is one of the few drivers that starts the race on the soft tires he makes his side soft tires last 24 laps before he comes in for his set of mediums. So he's on the advantageous tire compound. Um, by the time he comes out of the pits, he can push a lot harder. Um, the trouble was that his race almost fell to shambles on his outlap. Oh, God, help us all. <laughs> what um, happened? So his co-driver, his teammate and reigning GT500 champion, Ryo Hirakawa, had been very particularly racy throughout the early portions of the race. Um, he made an audacious dive bound pass at the hairpin corner earlier on the race that had both me and King just like, whoa, how did he do that? So he went full Kamui Kobayashi then. That's always a fun yes. time. Yes. <laughs> um, he tried the same move on his teammate. Except um, Sekiguchi closed the door on him. Hirokawa had <gasps> dropped two wheels in the grass and just shot over the top of Sekiguchi's car into the tire barriers, through the gravel, and out of the race. Oh, God, no. <laughs> yeah, so the two teammates make contact, and we're pretty much, like, thinking, is Sekiguchi's race over? No. As it turns out, he then goes on to set a personal best lap on his next lap. So, he was angry. That's what that was. <laughs> yes. Um, he is a very entertaining driver. Um, he whittled down what was a 15-second deficit at one point down to just just under two seconds at the very end of the race because Yamamoto had to nurse his set of soft tires home to the finish. 
and Zekiguchi could just push and push and push and take about a second, a second and a half a lap out. It was it had no right being that close at the end. Jesus. Sounds like a fun time. It was very, very much fun. Um we had uh, we had we almost had a rookie winner, first time rookie race winner in Nire Fukuzumi, who is dovetailing the season with GP uh, excuse me, Formula Two. Um, he's dovetailing the season with that, but then his car broke down midway through the race, and now he's going to be doing Formula 2 for the next few rounds. Pietro Ooh. Fittipaldi did not have such a good weekend. He picked up a tire puncture early on the race and finished a lap down. And as it turns out, um, at Sunoco Team Lamont, who had a very difficult day, uh, the news got even worse when on the morning of the race they found out that their lead engineer, Kenji Yamada, had actually died on the morning of the race and they still decided to uh, to continue on and race. They didn't release the news until the the day after the race had happened. Yeah, a lot of tributes from uh, that side of the world, and Felix Rosenquist mentioned it as well on his Twitter account. Very, very sad news. Yes. Um, thoughts go out to the team and everybody involved. That's uh, awful news. Um, like very very similar to the story of Stefan Kiefer. Um, the, the Moto2 team lost it just suddenly died during the night on, the, on a race weekend it was awful um, that happened at Sepang last year where Kiefer's team boss just suddenly died overnight just awful awful news um, yeah I said thoughts go out to the team and to those in Super Formula that's awful right. um, King what would you say your first impressions was of your very first flag flag uninterrupted Super Formula race I'd probably say the racing is exciting and there was a lot of intrigue up and down the field for the entire season whether you know uh nobuharu matsushita will be you know uh contender down the line the uh, most valuable the <laughs> most valuable gp2 driver in the draft <laughs> you you two are never gonna let this go are you nope. well, bastards uh, uh how well the overseas contingent do nick cassidy who ended up getting fastest lap at the end of the race whether pietro fittipaldi will able to you know you know get things together and you know have a strong season well, Actually, of course no. Fittipaldi won't be there for the next two races because he's uh taking the month of may off and tom dillman is going to take his place so yes. effectively you have the 2017 formula v8 champion being replaced by the 2016 champ and yes. uh for those and- sad that anire fukuzumi is not going to be in the next three rounds because of his f2 commitments we're hearing, and this is not confirmed, that Macau Grand Prix winner Dan Tictum is going to pick up some of the slack in at least the third and fourth rounds of the championship. Yeah, there's some murmurs about that, but we'll have to wait and see. And I need to correct myself, Nick Cassidy didn't get the fastest lap. British driver James Rossiter got the fastest lap. Uh, and also and- the last of the overseas contingent, Narain Carthacane. Who is 41 years old. Yeah, who's 41 years old and still going wheel to wheel out here. God bless the cucumber. Um, <laughs> God, I sound like a TMF Marduk video when I talk about that. Um, next race, <laughs> uh, next race, uh, May 13th at Autopolis Circuit, former future home of the Japanese Grand Prix until it went bankrupt for a couple of years. Yeah, Should bye. be a good time. Yeah, May th- it's the, the final race of the pre-Day of Classics. <laughs> Look, King's got the whole calendar figured out right here. <laughs> what a boy. <laughs> so, gentlemen, is, are, are we done for the day? I think we're just about done here. Yeah, I think we're done. We're good. 
think I think we're done here. So, we, so should I wrap this up? I think we shall. Um, yep. Places you can find us. You can find wait, us wait, one I, more. We gotta run down what's coming up this weekend because this weekend it's it's looking, oh god it's looking pretty cool. It's well done, Baku weekend. <laughs> welcome. Oh, get, the, the welcome is back. Baku's welcoming us back for the Azerbaijani Grand Prix, and formerly E is also back for the Paris E Prix. I didn't want to talk about Baku, but it's like, you know, you know what it is like. If Sebastian Vettel wins this one, I'm going to get roasted, aren't I? Hmm. I, I don't know if we, if we go this far into the season with Mercedes still winless. I still can't believe they're winless when they've had a very good claim to win all three of the first rounds so far. Like, they, 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 a software glitch in Australia. In Bahrain, Bottas was probably one lap away from winning that race. And even then had a very good chance of winning it out of the box. And then, of course, in China, they were robbed because of that freaking safety car call where Val was already on the start-finish line. It's very conceivable <laughs> that Mercedes has three wins right now. Oh, good God. But yet, here we are. I'm, I'm going to get toasted with over an open fire because every time a guy has won three out of the first four rounds in a championship, that driver has gone on to win the title. Just throwing that out there. <laughs> out there. And one little story that I think it's worth mentioning before we depart. Uh, a certain driver is set to have two Formula One tests Well, throughout this upcoming season. The reigning GP3 champion, George Russell, is set to have tests at both uh, Force India and Mercedes. Ooh. Should be Not bad. Things are Not heating bad. up in Think the ladder. Things are heating up. Hey, like everyone's been saying, George Russell is going to be the kid to replace Hamilton down the line. Hmm. There's a bit of a queue for that seat last time I checked, but uh, no, no, I, that's I, I think there's a queue for the other seat. Well, yeah, yeah. Like, uh, sorry, Val. Um, it's a bit warm down there where your seat is. Unfortunately, there's only about half the panel that wants it at the moment. No, but no pressure or anything. No pressure. Although to be fair, although to be fair, he's driving really well at the moment. <laughs> so you know, like. <laughs> He's doing his bit. Lewis, where you at? Um, <laughs> he doesn't want Daniel Ricciardo to sign that alleged pre-contract for his seat. Yeah, so the place that had no sources claiming that Daniel Ricciardo signed a pre-contract. Even because... though our sources says it's just an exclusive negotiation contract that Daniel can only negotiate. Right. Like, that's a, a great big pile of donkey doo. I'll do do on that one, really. Um... That, that's great. Let's get out of here. <laughs> Let's, yep. uh, we're, yeah, we're on YouTube.com forward slash Motorsport 101. We're on Facebook.com forward slash Motorsport 101. We're on Twitter at Motorsport 101. Actually, Motorsport underscore 101, I should say. Sorry. And if you want to follow our personal handles, you can follow us at Harrison101HD, at Ryan Eric King, and at RJ O'Connell. And if you really, really like us, you can back us on Patreon, patreon.com forward slash motorsport 101 five bucks i remember get you early access to both this show and to bike live again that'll be out later this week me lewis studderby and patrick hofstetter as well so we have patrick from a few weeks ago on motorsport one he's coming on bike live because he was in the cota media center for the grand prix of the Americas. so we'll get all the juicy tidbits from that as well it's a fun time he's already told me a few things which i thought were very interesting indeed you'll want to listen to bike live later this week trust me all of the action from the circuit of the americas and world superbikes at Assen. like, like even lewis
Lewis will be in a different because Tom Sykes actually won a race for once. <laughs> His fellow Yorkshireman, God bless him. Um, and also, this will probably be the final episode I record before I upgrade my audio equipment. And that's all down to you, the Patreon backers that are backing us. Um, I've managed to siphon off a bit of funds and that, so you've been able to help upgrade the show. So... Thank you all so much for that. Hopefully I will sound even better next week. As if my dulcet, um, half Jamaican, half English tones aren't already bad enough for you ears. I mean, it's, it's not quite as good as RJ ASMR levels, but I try. Like, <laughs> Kelly, I'm trying. I know I know you mentioned this on the Twitter a couple of days ago. I'm trying, okay? I can't quite get there. <laughs> but um, don't forget, early access for us and Bike Live and 10 bucks gets you into our Discord server where you can listen to these shows as they go out. And that's very, very cool indeed, if you ask me. So, until next time, I've been Andre Harrison. They've been RJ O'Connell and Ryan King. Thank you very much for listening. And we'll catch you guys next week. Sayonara. Later, y'all. Bye. Thanks, I'm not for you. You are the world champion!